0: Oh, hello, Bitch Nation. I didn't see you there. Why, yes, it's me, Kitty. And that means exactly what you think it means. The bitches are back. This is a little bonus episode we recorded earlier this summer to get you thirsty for season three, which is going to start dropping very shortly. Because it's a little bit older, we don't acknowledge a lot of realities like the Delta variant, which we would if we were recording today. We honestly have no way of knowing what November is going to bring. So we are going to follow whatever the CDC guidelines are at the time, and we expect all of our fans to do the same we hope to see you all in cincinnati in the fall we desperately want to explode your brain with our amazing talk and then drink lots of cheap boxed wine with you in the hotel lobby afterwards but as good as we hope it's gonna be it's not worth your health so please only consider attending if you are fully vaccinated prepared to stay masked throughout the entire event and flexible in case diana decides to push the event back to the spring now i want you to know how serious i am about this i honestly almost got into a physical fight with a guy at fincon 2019 because he was being extremely rude and disrespectful to the other attendees and i do not cotton to that also possibly it was slightly because i was really hangry because i walked all the way to a popeyes only to find that it was closed so please don't be rude Don't be disrespectful. Do not make me fight you because I am very strong and very fast and very brave and I will do it and you will not like it. Anyway, this episode kicks ass. Diana wowed us with a bunch of really fantastic insights, information we legit did not know about what it's like to walk away from a toxic workplace. So sit back and enjoy. You're going to learn a lot and we will be back in your ears really soon.
1: Because the chest get a riches. 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 And so
0: can you. Everybody shut up. <laughs> we have to talk about jawline acne or something on this personal finance podcast yes we women in our
1: 30s need to be talking about jawline acne like we are a cosmo
0: magazine article on the subject next we're talking about sex positions to please her and him (laughs) stay tuned three techniques (laughs) to drive him wild i would like to drive him wild I would like to send him out into the woods hunting for mushrooms to stay alive. I would like to leave him in the middle of the
1: Rocky Mountains with nothing but a multi-tool and a loincloth and be like, prove your love to
0: me. how to a bear grills you, man?
2: <laughs> the only thing I could think of was when you said bear, my boyfriend we met uh, um, on Bumble, I guess. We both swiped right because that's oh, how you do it these days.
1: Yes, and tell us how you do it these days us old Mary Hags. Yeah.
2: And he, in his description he said that he's. He's a cross between people telling me he's a cross between Chris Pratt and a Bernstein bear.
1: Oh my <laughs> god! Look,
2: but you look at him and you like can totally
1: see it. <laughs> I bet he's, like, he's snuggly and a little bit goofy, but also, like,
2: shredded and sexy. Oh, hell yeah. That's exactly Mm, how he is. He also said in his profile that as a hobby, he, like, trains falcons. Or no, he said he trains (gasps) birds of prey. And I was like, I gotta see this. He was just fucking around, but it was hilarious. So I was like, I gotta know more about this person. Yeah, I would
1: say, like, that is a perfect pickup line. Like, hey, do you want to watch me? Do some <laughs> I Honestly, I would show up for that first date. Oh,
0: yeah. 100%. I would show up for that first date with, like, full, like, leather gauntlet on, a floor-length skirt with chainmail over it. I am ready. Mm. I'm prepared mm-hmm. for this lifestyle.
1: hmm I would come with, like, a little pet carrier
0: full of rabbits and then just, like, <laughs> set them loose <laughs> and be, like, prove your Do skills. you like pushing our subscribers down? We can't start off an episode talking about how you are so eager to kill A-tier cute mammals. Oh, they are super fucking cute, but they're also fucking delicious. <laughs> All right. Well, for the ten of you left, I'm Kitty. <laughs> I'm Picky, And I'm Diana. We're the bitches and bitches get riches. We're a coven of vicious man-eating manads, And we're here to rip traditional financial advice to shreds with our razor-sharp talons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our time on this planet is limited. So let's get started. First off, we have a surprise for you today, dear listeners. On this very special bonus episode, we have that most rare and elusive of bitch nation
0: creatures, a guest. That's right. Joining us is Diana Merriam, founder
2: of the Economy Conference. Diana, say hello to the people and tell them what you're all about. Well, hello, everyone. And thank you, bitches, for allowing me on um, to your wonderful show. I listen and it's hilarious. I am not worthy. Thank you. (laughs) So much for letting me crash your party here. Um, But yes, I'm the founder of the Economy Conference. I'm also the host of the Optimal Finance Daily podcast. But the Economy Conference is an event that is also known as like the TED Talks of the Fire Movement. So, yeah, we had one attendee last year describe it as a party about money, which I think really is a great description because it's not that kind of like stuffy financial workshop where you're Go in there with your spreadsheets to kind of come up with a financial plan. It's much more about inspiration and community. And it's as entertaining as it is informative, which is a big reason why I wanted you two to speak at our next event. Whoa, whoa. Whoa. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert.
0: (laughs) Hold (laughs) on. This is the first time hearing of this. Did you run this by our social secretary?
1: (laughs) Which is our dogs. Yeah, we, we will be appearing in the flesh On the stage of the Economy Conference Where can listeners go to get tickets for this uh, amazing event And party with your humble bitches?
2: So the event is happening on November 13th and 14th At the University of Cincinnati And I know it sounds crazy to have a gathering of people We're expecting 700 attendees yeah. So that sounds like an amazing way to spread COVID, doesn't it? <laughs> So if COVID is still an issue, by the time November comes around, I do have backup dates for March of 2022. So we'll just push it back. We are very safe here at Economy. Um, We do not want to be spreading a virus. However... Um people can go to economyconference.com and that's economy with an M E at the end, not an M Y, because I'm so clever. Economy um, if you will. Economy. Yeah, that's why
0: we're really we're really pushing the economy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which in retrospect, I'm wondering if there are people listening who are just like, wow, she's got just a one-of-a-kind <laughs> pronunciation of that wow, everyday this word.
1: Financial podcaster has never heard the word economy before <laughs>
2: so it's economyconference.com and there you can um, buy tickets for the event we also have a youtube channel just search economy conference and you'll see all the speeches from last year so you can kind of get a feel of what the vibe is like i
1: actually i binged the youtube videos of last year's economy or not last year was it
2: 2019 no it was 2020, 2020 like right before the apocalypse That's right it was on march 7th 2020 oh one week before everything shut down oh My god i feel like like I dodged a bullet, yeah, absolutely yeah. did.
1: Well, and thank God because I was like I was binging those YouTube videos, just absorbing knowledge through osmosis. But the the speakers were incredible. Their messages were really just like easy to relate to and applicable to normal human beings. We're so humbled and honored that you would want us to to join your your lineup of speakers for the next economy.
2: Oh, I am so excited. And really the number one rule of the economy stage is authenticity. And you guys have that in spades. So I am thrilled that you'll be joining me in November or March or whenever we do it. Listen, there's
1: (laughs) nothing we love more than flattery. So you had us at (laughs) thrilled. Correct. (laughs) Today's question comes to us from an anonymous follower. Our beloved follower writes, I work in an extremely toxic work environment. My boss is disrespectful. The whole company culture is abusive. And HR has been utterly dismissive of my issues. Walking in the door every morning feels like I'm entering Shawshank Penitentiary. I'm at the end of my rope and I know I have to leave to save myself. But I haven't been able to land a new job yet. I have some savings, but I'm definitely not financially independent. I describe it as a small amount of fuck you money but not enough to live on for more than maybe 46 months. Should I quit even before I have a new job lined up?
0: Very good question. A
1: very good question. And I should say part of the reason we chose this question for... Uh, bonus episode with Diana is because, Diana, I know you have a little bit of experience with quitting a job because you have fuck you money.
2: Yeah. So I just quit my job this year in January after being with my employer for nine years. Fuck. Which in this day and age, like who keeps a job for nine years? (laughs) Um, But it was a really good job for me for a very long time. And, you know, it ended up Um, turning into an environment that was intolerable. You know, this situation where it was very clear that I was no longer valued Mm. by my employer. You know, I hadn't had a raise in three years. I asked for a raise. I, uh, I made a very strong case for it in the value that I had brought the company. I was the only woman on my team and it was made very clear to me that I was being held to a much higher standard than my male colleagues. And so I quit. Fuck yeah. And I was able to quit on principle. And that to me was huge because, you know, I would say over the years, we all kind of go through stages where we have like a love-hate relationship with our jobs, Uh, right? (laughs) Not every day is going to be amazing. And so that was a tough decision for me because I'd have days where I loved my job. I had days that I hate my job. It's like a relationship, you know, and this is kind of what stood out to me about this question that, you know, obviously this person, this listener is unhappy. I would really take some time to think about, is it the environment? Is it the circumstances? Or is it you? Right? Mm. I had to do some soul searching because what I realized in times that I didn't like my job, a lot of it had to do with me not having good coping mechanisms for stress. Mm. Right. A lot of it had to do with the way that I was internalizing things. And so I, I think that despite the situation where it was like a very specific reason why I left my employer most recently... I also went through a period of six months where I was really focused on personal development and self-care. I was taking really good care of myself so that I would have the clarity of mind to look at my circumstances and my situation and be able to have the discernment to say, is this me or is this the job? Because I knew if it was me, then I was going to take that with me no matter where I went. And that no matter what my circumstances were, I wasn't going to be happy with the situation. Mm -hmm. And so I think the first step is kind of looking at that. Um, if you do get to a place where you're like, okay, I'm good. You know, I've reached nirvana with myself and now I'm looking at my situation. I still think this is a toxic environment that I need to get out of. Now you're looking at, okay, financially, does this make sense?
1: You know, they say 46 months of living expensive. So like I try to err on the side of conservatism and say, let's, let's say you, you definitely have four months of living expenses. Like that's not nothing. That's a little bit of fuck you money.
2: It is a little bit of fuck you money. And I think it, how, how much leverage you have with that really depends on how how confident are you that you can find another job in 4 months? Totally. You know, it depends on what industry you're in. Like, has she already been looking for another job for 6 months and she's still not finding anything? That to me would be concerning. Mm-hmm. But if she like just started in 2 weeks let- ago, she just started and she like hasn't found another job yet. Well then, you know, how much confidence does she have that she can find another job in this time frame? Absolutely. It was so much easier to look for a new job
0: when I had already emotionally divested myself from my current job. Um, I'm a creative professional and I have a, an artistic portfolio that needs to really shine. And my portfolio was terrible when I was working in this toxic workplace because it was just sucking all of the joie de vivre out of me. A plus French. I parlez vous all kinds of Francis, let me tell you. (laughs) But like, have you guys had that experience of trying to look for jobs while keeping your current job and finding out that that was getting you really suboptimal results?
2: Well, I can't tell you guys how surprised I've been. I didn't realize how stressed out I was in that job. It's almost like a fish doesn't know they're in water. Mm. It's just you get so used to it. It's just kind of your normal. And when when that job was just gone, it was like the floodgates on my creativity just opened up. I think working in a toxic environment is not totally
0: different from being in an abusive relationship totally you feel like you have fewer options and it's because you are internalizing a negative sense of self-worth that that because my workplace treats me like this it must be because i deserve to be treated this way Mm -hmm. it's like you
1: are the heroine
0: of a ya novel where
1: By night, you are the chosen one fighting demons and supernatural underworld creatures. And you go to school and all your friends and teachers are like, What's wrong? You seem different. Something's off. And you just kind of smile through the pain because you like, you can't admit that you've got this horrible burden that you're living through. And you just, you feel like you have to suck it up.
0: Because it sounds so, so fucking stupid, right? Like yeah. people have real problems. My problem is that my boss is mean and I don't like to go to work. <laughs> it sounds like a stupid thing to say out loud, right? And so mm-hmm. it's really easy to tell yourself that it doesn't matter, that it's not a real problem. Don't tell anyone about it. But it matters. It matters. When you're in a toxic relationship with someone, whether that's a person or an entity, you're spending at least eight hours in a a standard day in a place that is robbing you of your happiness. And over time, you start to take more and more of that home with you. And that was what was really scary to me. I lost interest in my hobbies, the things that used to replenish me after a normal workday. I just lost the interest to do them, the energy to do them, your coping mechanisms are important. Mm -hmm. And if you notice that your coping mechanisms aren't working anymore, it means something really, really big Mm -hmm. is happening below the surface.
2: Yeah. And I got to add to that, Kitty, that the people that you surround yourself with are really going to drive your level of happiness. Mm. There's this great quote. Um, it's a. It's a, like an anonymous quote. I want to know who said it. But it's if you look at your circle of people and you are not inspired, then you do not have a circle. You have a cage. Oh God! Oh. You know. And oh. when it, it's true. Oh. And when it comes to the people that we work with, we are spending more time with these people than we are with our friends and with our family. Yes, these are the people you're surrounded with for most of your day. Exactly. That is going to have an effect on you
0: long term. Yeah. I've I've been in this situation before where I was working for a toxic workplace that was really um, draining my sanity. Uh, and I regret to say that I was a coward. I had so many people really try to get through to me and like shake me by the shoulders and tell me, Honey, you need to go. You, you're you so unhappy that I think you can't see how unhappy you are. I think I needed to live through the bite the bullet and push through it technique to see how much it cost me um, emotionally, mentally, physically to see that it wasn't a good idea. And and I I know sometimes it's really hard to follow other people's advice, especially if their advice is do something that feels unsafe, Mm -hmm. which is what quitting a job feels like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. This kind of decision is driven by basically determining between two different kinds of stresses and fearful situations that you Mm want to live through. Do you want to live in fear of scarcity, that you're going to run out of money, that you're going to become really, really desperate? Or do you want to live through the Fear of what's basically like, I guess I want to call it oppression. Um, I know that's a very strong word, but like... They say it's, it's like entering Shawshank Penitentiary. That sounds like a hostile work
2: environment to me. I totally agree with you, Kitty. I think regardless of how much money you have... You could have that fearful scarcity mindset when it comes to walking away from a consistent income and walking into the uncertainty of what's next and where is my next paycheck going to come from. So I I think it is kind of an emotional journey as much as it is a financial journey. Absolutely. I I have to, you know, I got to bring it all back to me.
1: But, you know, (laughs) it was just about a year ago that I got laid off and I was in the position of being like, oh my God, I was not prepared for this. Do I have enough money? And like you, you know, once the decision was kind of forced on me, I kind of stood back and was like, oh, I do have healthy savings habits. And, you know, thanks to past me really saving up that money, like getting laid off was not such a dire situation, even getting laid off at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, which – A year later, we're still in, Um, and this, you know, that that's another thing to kind of uh, consider for our reader here is she's clearly, or excuse me, our listener, she's clearly been a really dedicated saver, having you know four to six months of living expenses saved up. That's not nothing, Um, and we get some uh, followers who are kind of like, oh well, you know, I can afford to support myself. My job pays pays plenty. Why should I bother saving? Well, this is why. So you have yeah. the option that if you've, you've got that shitty job, you've got that abusive boss, that toxic work culture, you can say, you know what? I can quit. Like it is, I am safe to quit. And it's a little bit risky if I don't have a, another job lined up immediately, but it's not going to spell devastation for me and my entire family
2: unit, you know? Totally. Money is only as valuable as your clarity on how you're going to use it and your comfort level with how much is enough. So, if you have clarity and comfort when it comes to your money, you can leverage it to do things like walk away from a toxic work environment. Mm but you know it 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 takes i think a lot of emotional work to get there um so yeah i completely agree that sometimes you're in an environment that is weighing on you so much mentally that you don't have the bandwidth to look for something new and you almost have to like heal from that you know when i was leaving and i was going through my own emotions around it because of the injustice around what i went through was making me very angry and one of my friends had said to me, Sometimes you need to let go with both hands Mm. so that you can grab your next thing with both hands. And that to me felt very freeing, but there was also a lot of trust there. So that took a lot of like work on my part to trust myself enough that, you know, now I'm taking the next year to flirt with self employment, which is Mm -hmm. is really placing a big bet on myself.
1: Having done a year of self employment this past year, like I agree, it's a huge bet, but it can be really rewarding. Exactly. Exactly. It's also important to note, um, you know, if you quit a job, you're basically forfeiting your right to unemployment insurance. So what you have in the bank is all you have to live on if you decide to walk away
2: from that job. Well, Piggy, here's something crazy that I just learned. Mm. If you're leaving a hostile work environment, Mm -hmm. you are entitled to unemployment. Get the fuck out of here. What? Yeah. Yeah. I just learned this because I applied for unemployment due to a hostile work um, environment. The fact that I like I wrote a letter to my employer on the way out, like explaining all the reasons why I was leaving and the discrimination that I experienced, and you know, I I had like. A lot of information in there That um, They did not deny it Like they basically Sent me a response saying We're gonna look into this But I could understand Why you would leave Because of this Mm. Um, So that was almost like Acknowledging that they could see That it was that bad Mm -hmm. So I Submitted that letter and their response to the unemployment office um, because you have to like supply right, a lot yeah. of information on why you left or if it was really a hostile work environment. So that was something I thought too. But you know, again, we'll see how it works out. But yeah, but the chance exists exactly if you leave a hostile work environment. You should be able to collect unemployment. That is
1: really good information to have. Diana, and we can cut this question if you, you want, but like I know having read your letter, like part of the reason you left was you were absolutely being discriminated against because of your gender. Um, do you want to talk about that or should we skip that?
2: Yeah, you know, what's interesting about it is it was really hard for me to admit to myself that that's what was going on. It never occurred to me that I would be at a disadvantage for being a woman. Um, I was raised in a family where my mom was the breadwinner. Um, I looked around at school and it was always the girls that got the good grades. You know, I mm-hmm. ended up graduating top of my class at high school. I went to college on a full academic scholarship surrounded by women. And even in my professional career, I always have worked for women and women-owned organizations. It wasn't until later in my career where the company that you know I started with 9 years ago was a very much female-run organization. And it got sold to a bigger company. And then it got spun off. And then it got joint ventured. And it ended up being something very different. And the leadership was very different by the end of it. And... It, I watched over time, all the talented women slowly leave. And, you know, it's just, it's, it was an agency, you know, a lot of people leave agencies, like I didn't really think much of it. And I've heard women talk about discrimination and, you know, not being paid as much as men. And I just, I had always felt like I was treated very well and that I was a salesperson. It's very easy to be able to quantify my accomplishments and Mm -hmm. the value that I brought to the organization because it's, it's numbers. Like it's very black and white. A lot of times it's hard to like, Pinpoint that you're being discriminated against if, you know, it's a role that isn't directly tied to something as black and white as sales numbers. So, I talked to a number of women on my way out, both who had already left and who were still there. And it was all those women that convinced me that this is discrimination. I did not want to believe it. I wanted to think that it was more due to nepotism than it was due to me mm. being a woman, mm. which is, which in itself is problematic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My toxic workplace had a ton of nepotism. Yeah. That was an easier pill for me to swallow because that to me, it didn't really have much to do with me. It just had to do with, you know, they're all friends and they mm-hmm. give each other jobs and promotions and raises. And I'm just not a part of the inner circle. And that's why. Not because I have a vagina. I mean, mm-hmm. that to me is the most ridiculous um, thing that I could imagine. And so it really was talking to other women and learning about their experiences that really kind of convinced me that it actually is discrimination. Uh-huh. And because I'm in a sales role and because I can point to the numbers, um, I was actually in a really unique position to say something about it. All of the other women who left for the same reason left quietly. And it's because they don't want to open a can of worms and they just want to move on with their lives and they don't want to make a big stink about it. But I do think that I felt like I was in a really privileged position to be able to leave on principle because of my financial situation. And, So I wrote a letter and, you know, you mentioned this letter that I wrote, you know, and that was my explanation for why I left. Now, I don't know that anything will come of that. You know, they said that they were going to, um, have an internal investigation, but I also decided not to sue. Um, I very well could have, but in my mind, if I were to sue, I'd be driving, you know, dragging myself through the mud for years, fighting them on this. And what would be the benefit? maybe they'd write me a check mm-hmm. you know to make it go away and then i'd have to sign an nda and never talk about this again i want to reserve my right to talk about this absolutely because i think that that's how i'm going to benefit other people in the long run i don't need more money at this point i don't need to fight them for more money i want to i want to use my experience to kind of be a voice and let other people talk about this too. Because another thing that I I've learned in me choosing to talk about this is that a lot of people will leave quietly because they're afraid of the retaliation of like, what if, you know, what if my employer listens to this podcast and decides to sue me for defamation? It's not defamation. Defamation. If I'm telling the truth, exactly. like truth is a defense. Exactly. Also, you know, am I tainted now? Are other employers going to look at me as, you know, I'm the woman that the disgruntled employee that, that left and made a big stink and is now going around around and talking about it do we want that kind of disgrunt do we want to hire that kind of person and my take on that is if i decide to go back to w2 work and someone decides not to hire me because i stood up to discrimination well that's that's exactly the kind of place that i do not want to work like it'd be a great litmus test (laughs) for me to say okay great you have a problem with that good because i don't want to work here That is so
0: good. And I, that gets to a question that I wanted to ask, which, which may be a good one for us to, to end on. Let's say you've decided to leave a toxic workplace. What is your responsibility to make it clear to your employer or to your coworkers or to anyone else who cares why it is that you're leaving? Um, is it cool to just like, you know what? This place sucks and I'm going to ghost. Like I'm just going to, I'm just going to quit. Or do you have some responsibility to at least make a good faith effort mm-hmm. to, to point out what is what is wrong to them and see if they would be willing to change it. What's your guys' thoughts on that?
1: I have pretty strong thoughts about this. I mean, I, like I'm I'm in Diana's camp of, of being the do-gooder, you know, like she, she did three great things on her way out the door. One, which, you know, I think our letter writer and anybody asking this question of, you know, should I quit even though I don't have another job lined up, I think everyone should do this, which is consult with other people in your situation. You know, you talk to those women who had already left, you can you can get confirmation on it. I think that was really good. I think the fact that you put in writing to HR, the evidence of the discrimination, and you know, that caused them to start this, this internal investigation, I think that was a great move. And then, you know, you said you you didn't want to sue or sign an NDA so that you could talk about it, like on this podcast. And I think those were like three amazing moves. I also think, you know, you're clearly a very strong person because you could do all those three things. I mean, I want to make this very clear. It's not incumbent on any victim of discrimination to help others with discrimination. Yes. Like, if you are struggling just with your own sort of psychic damage in that toxic, horrific scenario, like... No one should force you to share your story or, um, you know, use your experience to pay it
0: forward or whatever. Like You you don't have to be anybody else's learning experience. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. You don't owe it to them, however. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if, if you can,
1: like do what Diana did and like, you know, light the beacons on your way out the door. Absolutely. But don't feel like that is your obligation if you don't have the mental fortitude or frankly, the spoons to get it done
2: when you're hurting in that way. The reason why I chose to do that is because I also knew I wanted to talk about it on my platforms and it felt cowardly for me to talk about this publicly and not have the courage to tell them directly. So Mm -hmm. I'm not saying anything to you that I didn't already say to them. Um, that felt important to me and in my integrity. I also learned afterwards that just because I decided not to sue, because I wrote them that letter and they acknowledged that letter, if another woman decided to sue, I have now helped her. Yes. And that that felt very good to me. Um, so there are a lot of benefits. And, and I think that that letter for me was closure. I was with that company for 9 years. There were some real there i did a lot of work that i was really proud of there i had a lot of deep friendships that were formed there i cared about that place so to me it just felt important to write the letter but yeah i totally agree with you that i you know if if that's not what you're inclined to do don't feel like you're forced to you got to take care of yourself
0: if you don't tell your coworkers and maybe your company in, in general, why exactly why you're leaving, I think you are leaving that narrative in your company's hands. And they will likely tell people, oh, yeah, you know, she wasn't happy or he left because, uh, you know, he got another offer. And to me, every person is different. But to me personally, that is disrespectful to what I have endured to not speak my truth which is what happened here was unacceptable and I don't think that I deserve it and I don't think that any of you my co-workers deserve it either so I'm gonna tell you exactly why I'm leaving yes even queen. if I'm already walking out the door mm. thank you sorry
1: my dog just uh perked up when he heard me snap <laughs> he's like yes <laughs> you want me
0: <laughs> listen I think we had a lot of good stuff in there so are we all feeling good with that I'm good with that me too Alright, listeners, we are gearing up for Season 3 of our podcast, so if there is a question you would like for us to answer, go to BitchesGetRiches.com and click Ask the Bitches. There's only one way to guarantee that
1: we'll answer your question, and that's to become a Patreon donor.
0: We love our Patreon donors! If you like what we do, and you want us to keep going, do you want messages like this on the air? Yes? Please? I hope so? (laughs) Become a Patreon donor. (laughs) Support us with whatever donation amount you are comfortable with. We don't need a lot. A small donation is fine. We really appreciate
1: it. And in addition, we have a merch store where you can buy t-shirts and printable
0: worksheets and more. Finally, there's a couple of free things you can do to say thanks if you really cheap fine you can still participate <laughs> rate and review us on iTunes Spotify whatever you use it bumps us up on the charts and makes us easier for others to find you can follow us on Twitter Tumblr Instagram and Pinterest we have been working so hard to revamp our Pinterest board you guys our pins were ugly they were, they ugly. were really ugly they were and i'm i'm they were terrible and i'm really sorry I feel bad about it they they were an afterthought and they looked like it and I owed you better and I believe I am delivering so please go and check us out on Pinterest it's probably Pinterest.com slash Bitches Get Riches who knows mark? just google it figure <laughs> it out you can do all of it at BitchesGetRiches.com so just go there Diana while
1: we have you tell us one more time uh, what we need to know to attend the Economy Conference this fall
2: it is November 13th and 14th um, at the University of Cincinnati and you can go to EconomyConference.com To grab your tickets.
1: Good to know. Bitches Bitches out. out.
0: (laughs) Full chaotic energy.